Welcome to the Dynasty Think Tank. I'm Chad Parsons. He is Jordan McNamara, and we are sharing our research, experience, acumen to build those dynasty winners and unlock our ceiling outcomes. It's time to seek those elite results. So let's start off with our big three of the week. And we got some news items. Let's start off with DeAndre Hopkins. Jordan, uh, we have a released player that is a notable future Hall of Famer and scuttlebutt. Chiefs, Bills, I don't know. It usually doesn't work out this way, fantasy-wise, that they go to the uh, a hyper-strong quarterback situation. But let's talk about the iterations of Hopkins. Where is he in his career? He's looking to go to a contender. He's open to the Browns. You know, you hear anything and everything, basically. But he is a notable wide receiver available, as well as what he left there with the Arizona Cardinals wreckage. Wreckage is a good description of it. Um so let's we'll start with Hopkins, and I do think we should talk about Arizona as well. Um, listen, I think I think he's still right, Hopkins is is going wide receiver nineteen in best ball drafts, right? That's kind of about a dozen spots ahead of where he's going in dynasty drafts. So he's in that group of guys that are probably underpriced innings eaters. So that's an area that I like. I don't necessarily sure I want to go hard in right now where I don't know where he's going to land. Right. I think there is some skepticism in the market. We've seen this, right. There's, there's data out there to suggest he's slowing down a bit in terms of man coverage, which is one of the places you see players really tend to drop off quicker um, or, or age really presents itself. So I think all those things are interesting. The contract that he signs also be interesting as well. Um, so I think that's kind of my spot for him. I mean, there's other guys behind him, I think that are in much better uh, volume potential chances. Guys like Keenan Allen, I think I feel a little bit more confident in right now, if I was going to draft this week, right. I, I would feel better about the Keenan Allen bet than I would Hopkins just because I don't know where he's going to go, right. He could go to Detroit and be the number two behind Dominic Ross Brown, right? Like he's going to go, to Buffalo, if he goes to Buffalo, he's going to be behind Diggs, right? Like he's b- behind the pecking order on some of the guys um, that he could potentially land with. So, so I think that that's all interesting. I do think from the Arizona perspective, like Marquise Brown's super interesting this year. Um, and I, I actually put out a, a tweet poll asking, you know, who would you rather have in Dynasty, DJ Moore or uh, Marquise Brown? And it was about 55 45 in favor of DJ Moore. And I'm, I'm pretty confidently on the other side of that. Yeah. I, I think from a ceiling outcome, you know, the, and also just what team's going to throw more. I mean, what team, mm-hmm. you know, generally, you know, look at the DNA of these teams and, and so look at how it cleared out as well. I mean, um, um, Rondell Moore is, is someone that, I mean, can we trust him to, to elevate and see significant usage? you know, to challenge, to be a, a wide receiver, one, a, or one B um, that to me is a stretch. And I think for Hopkins, we also have to wonder, you know, is he priced at a point where you say the ceiling doesn't matter too much? Is he, like you said, in, an innings eater, you know, is, is some, is a phrase that I have a number of older wide receivers. I prefer he's 31 and every, once you get to 29 or 30, every year is pretty valuable because you've already clipped it off and lost it. So I think for Hopkins, his best five seasons are multiple years in the rear view. So that's probably a sign that the the ceiling isn't coming back. The variable of he's going to be the wide receiver one in Arizona. Now he's not in Arizona. You take the aggregate of the other 31. He's probably not going to be as dominant of a potential target inning eater that he, that he would have been. 
So that's my biggest concern is when you say, does he have the ceiling of Amari Cooper in a best case scenario? You know, does he, he's, he's older by a year of Mike Evans, you know, and is that a big deal? Uh, you know, and, and you look at Deontay Johnson, you know, similarly priced. So all these guys that are in say the running, the wide receiver 30 to 40 kind of bucket Keenan Allen, as you mentioned that you have a number that you have options whether you are building out of a startup draft or you say, I'm looking to acquire with a trade down in my rookie draft or a lot of names that we might be looking at to supplement, whether it's now or in season, I, I think with, with DeAndre Hopkins, you have to have some of those ceiling concerns because with the price you pay, I think you need to be sensitive to that and get a cheap option. If you say the ceiling you're getting is not top 20 or top 24. And frankly, you know, the, the, the tiering works that, Ah, you know, where's the real impact line? Because you can probably get guys that are only within a couple points per game for a fraction of the price. So you have to be careful about buying a decliner if you don't see a big ceiling at his price point. He's not going a wide receiver 50. And I doubt after he signs somewhere, he'll be going wide receiver 50 either. Yeah, I agree with that. Next news item, we've got Travis Etienne. Boy, this this got saucy to hurry, Jordan. I don't know how much you interacted on Twitter about this, but I was doing when you said Travis Etienne is on the show. I was like, all right, go up and do some digging here. Um, that there are two factions here. There is a Travis Etienne. This is all smoke. Don't worry about tra- uh, Tank Bigsby at all. And then there's the Tank Bigsby is going to take his job. And Etienne was actually horrible last year. So uh, there are two factions on how you can make Etienne look here. Um, I usually look at basics. I'm a very basic person. And what I'll say is we had him in his first healthy season in the NFL, a first round running back on a quality offense. And he was a guy that you put in your lineup every single week and he performed pretty well. So, you know, and also he got off to a slow start uh, first few weeks of the season. So that would be the completely uh, easy button uh, of analysis there. What do you think about Travis Etienne and the two factions that are quickly evolving after the Tank Bigsby selection and Etienne's 2022 season? So Etienne's a little bit of a, it's a hard top because a lot of the stats that I look at, it's like rookie year, second year. Well, he lost his rookie year. So uh, yeah, it's, it's if, tough to like, how do you do that optic wise? Right. It right. was his first year, but he was 23 or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it becomes a little, he's doesn't fit neatly in that. I will say like Tank, Tank Bigsby, the average third round, running back uh has 9.3 carries per game uh so that's not one you're the number two role it's a number two role and it's not one you're like just from a base rates perspective like kind of like you said i don't think there's a there's a, that big of a um round one versus round threat. three is not a competitive yeah that's not going to be challenging for the lead job no i just i'm i'm pretty skeptical of that it, there's other stuff too like you can even look at the you know i I think people should be responsible with betting, but I also think that betting is a really valuable source of information. And so when you look at some of these lines, I mean, you use this, we were talking before the show and you were, and I was, you know, talking about some specific lines and you were like, remember, be careful. They build casinos with the money that they win on bets. And I was like, yes, that you is think true. something looks egregiously <laughs> off. It's like, well, <laughs> Someone who does this for a living set that. Correct. A number of people who do it for a living did that. Correct. And there's there's holes in these lines. They're not as yeah. efficient as they would be on a week-to-week basis. But you start looking at some of these things and you're like, okay, well, uh, you know, when you when you see you know, uh, Travis Etienne being the as as uh, chance to lead the league in rushing, right? And he's ranked in the 10 to 15 range of that, right? That is a 
you know, Tank Bigsby's nowhere near that, right? So that's that's one source of information you you start looking at, you know. And so, um, I, I don't know. And I I tend to think like where where uh, ETN is at, uh, which is um, just looking at this earlier. Yeah, he's down in like the in the teens. Uh, he's he's plus twenty five hundred, so about five percent shot. But you start looking at that. There's guys above him that that are mispriced. So, um already and there's like quarterbacks and stuff in there so he's already kind of lurking right around the top 10 at running back um so that gives me a lot of boost by the way tank bigsby not ranked so um not not priced as offered so let's be let's be honest there i think the thing with etn too that i would sort of i would sort of say i think he kind of checks basically across the board um as being an okay rookie year or first year right sec it's actually second year but it's first year i think he ranks okay um above expectation in terms of rushing yards, right? Top 10 in that. Um, uh, he was, uh, you know, as a receiver, he was sort of checks the box. I don't think he's this foundational receiving back that maybe we thought he could be coming in with some of his college stuff. But I think b- across the board, he's he's checks a lot of boxes. And with first round pedigree, like that matters, right? That I think that matters a yeah. lot. Yeah, I, I would say my biggest problem is now you have two quality running backs, you know, and again, if you want to say one's a lesser quality, one's a higher quality, that's fine with me. Now, Bigsby, the biggest appeal on why I like him is how cheap he's going mid, late, second round of rookie drafts. And he is a quality profile. This could be an Alexander Madison where you say he's on a two, three, four year window of being that gr- grenade in your pocket of saying, hey, if he, if, if ETN goes down, look what I got here. Yes. Um, now, from a situational standpoint, here's what I don't like. Last so we had the the Urban Meyer iteration, which was 27th in high leverage opportunity scores for bad. running back. Real but bad. guess what? They weren't that much better last last year, 24th. Mm-hmm. So this is one, and it relied on goal line. They were 16th in targets for running backs. So that's one where you say the starter is there really elite upside here? And the answer is putting the pieces. I would say the answer is probably no. And ETN with some of my, some of my, uh, you know, expected uh, top 24 seasons remaining, he's at 2.2, which a guy that's 24 years old, a first round pick, you'd probably expect better. Um, So that to me was a little underwhelming. That said, he fits in the bucket of, I don't think having him at say running back six or seven in dynasty is inappropriate. His market's more like nine or 10. I have him at nine. Um, I think you could even have him at 12, 13. I mean, you can have him a little bit lower, but I think that's the range, you know? So you, I mean, making a statement and going out there and fireballing him and saying, Oh, I'm out on ETN. Meaning what? Like, do you have him at 12? Do you have him at 15, 20? Like that 20 is like egregious. Like, have you looked at running back? Like, I think you can't have a 24 uh, year old first rounder in Jacksonville's offense and say, you're scared off by Bigsby and I have him at running back 20. Like to me, that is a ice cold dynasty take that you should get your credentials checked like at the door. Like that means you don't profile at all. That means you have no awareness of what's going on. So um, that's where I kind of sit. I, to me, you can be like, I'm, I'm fair market value on, on ETN, but I'm bullish on Bigsby. And I think those are independent things. You don't have to say Bigsby's taking his job to be bullish on one and neutral on the other. Yeah. Right. I think the expectations on that's clear. I also found uh, one of the things I was looking at was uh, expected yards, uh, rushing yards over expectation on a per carry basis, ETM ranked fifth in the league last year, sixth in percentage of his carries going over expectation, right? He had more yards after contact than both Christian McCaffrey and Jonathan Taylor. And he had a better PFF grade if that's your thing too. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I, to call him some sort of slough off is just, right. and by the way, some of the red zone stats that people are citing, if someone cites a stat that you've never heard of, 
ask them how correlated it is year over year because I'll give you right. a hint. It ain't. A right? lot of them are. And when they made the stat up, they didn't look. So it ain't, right? Don't you know, trust you know what's correlated? A lot. Of, you know what the simplest correlation is? Production. Usage. <laughs> usage. Yeah. Usage <laughs> is a big one. And right. usage drives production. Right. I got. A, I, I took a couple snippets out from some of these massive, like, 100 reply threads that I was going down the rabbit hole of Travis Etienne. One of them was Travis Etienne was ninth in rushing yards and fourth in yards per carry. And it was his first healthy season. No chance he underperformed last year. Another one was Travis Etienne had a Jonathan Taylor-esque rookie season in 2022, but nobody cares. Another one said, it's going to be a committee like 90% of NFL teams. Again, what do you consider a committee and what do you consider not? I think that's a valid conversation you can have an hour show about because these secondary running backs, I mean, every once in a while you get, what was it, two years ago, uh, Najee Harris had like 95%. Like it was a crazy, (laughs) crazy figure. And that doesn't happen in very many backfields in a given year. And you know what? It's probably not by design of these teams either. So uh, they they said Tank will get the goal line carries. Etienne will get a breather. Uh, you know he's he's never got the goal line work last year anyway, and he had a lot of big solid runs. He's a breakaway threat anytime he touches the ball. Frankly, if I was an Etienne uh, homer and fan and and had a ton of exposure to him, I wouldn't want him to get twenty five touches. I wouldn't want him to get pounded in the middle. Like that's not where you want him to win. You want him to win in space. You want him to optimize his ten plus yard gains. You want him to get a few more targets. Those would be the thing, the working points, I would say, for whatever his upside is. It's not just ramming him to the line. This is the Alvin Kamara conversation, right? You don't want him, ideally, you don't want a running back utilized in that fashion, unless they're 225, 230, and they're just an over workhorse. Yeah, I also, I pulled some stuff from football guys as well, just on that specific point there. Um, He had, uh, he was projected to score uh, on, uh, their projections, he is projected to score 61.7% of their points. That's good for 14th yeah. among all running backs. So again, like 11th in terms of percentage of carries and 15th in terms of percentage of receptions, like you can say committee. I don't think that's actually true with him. Like that's a pretty healthy well, 60%. And you figure the number two role is going to be split just a little bit. It's not going to be 60 and the other running back is 40. And there's going to be some breakdown to running back three in a lot of these backfields. Yeah. 60 to 65%. I mean, I'd, I'd have to go back and look at some of my numbers from the past couple of years, but that seems like a pretty healthy, normal breakdown for the starter. Two, Absolutely. Two drives versus one drive. Frankly, you want the guy and, and we would project, I mean, maybe Jermichael Hasty will be that guy, but ETN should be in on hurry up drives, you know, the two minute drill, that type of stuff that really can help with a couple catches. So, um, you know, in three, four PPR points, final one we got here, Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask splitting first team reps. It's early in Tampa camp. What do you think about this, this quarterback situation where the weapons are solid? The team is not projected to be very good at all. Do you think it says something about Trask or Mayfield on whoever the loser of this battle is? Uh, it's not good to lose that battle, but I don't think the idea that they're competing for snaps in in May okay. is means anything. Right? I think Baker wins this job, and okay. frankly, if he's twenty twenty Baker, I think he's uh, really interesting this year. Okay, there you go. Quick, I can put a concise. cap on it. I don't, I don't read anything yeah. into the news in May. Boom. Yeah, Kyle <laughs> and Kyle Trask. Like, even if he is, I said the way he had to win, like watching him in college, he offers nothing rushing wise. He is coming into the NFL at the exact wrong era. Like he's 30 years too late. Like he needed to come into the NFL when he was born. And, uh, you know, not having any rushing is a real detriment. Not that Baker Mayfield is a, a high, high rushing upside guy, but just, I feel like if the, the offense in general, this is a team that's going to be coming from behind. 
I mean, Trask is the wrong answer. And and I think this is probably going to be the nail in the coffin for Trask more than it is Mayfield loses the job and all of a sudden we rewrite what the 101. Like, Mayfield's going to be around for a while. As much as you want to bag on him or think he doesn't have top five upside or whatever, has not exceeded expectations or even met them, the 101 guy, as long as he's going to be not a cancer in locker rooms or an attitude issue, he can be in the NFL for a long time. Look at Alex Smith, you know, who no one really thought was a great, great quarterback. He even found Andy Reid later in his career, you know, top five finish, I believe, uh, and frankly was rewriting his career later on. He went to Washington. He had a lot of chances. Baker Mayfield could have a lot of chances as long as he plays the game correctly for the next five plus years, for sure. All right, we got a couple of saucy trades, and I, I mentioned this to Jordan. I mean, this, to me, this is epic. This is from from Creighton, who who shared this, and I was like, I got to get this in the show. We got Patrick Mahomes of the Did I Get Enough, but on the other side, we got Justin Jefferson. So we're gonna be pitting kids against each other here, and this is a massive. I mean, there's three or four just like heaving uh, assets in this type of deal. So we got Patrick Mahomes and Christian Watson traded away for Russell Wilson, Najee Harris. Justin Jefferson and Juju Smith-Schuster looking around saying, I don't belong here. So I think instantly when you get a deal for Mahomes, right, you have to Criteria. be okay trading him away. You have to be right at quarterback, right? You can't lose right. the quarterback. You can't. Because your existing on. team can't be strong enough, right? To be like, well, I have like the odds that you have uh, Mahomes, Herbert, and Hertz, or something like yeah, right. the odds that you have that are minute, slim. Like you'd have to have two other top six guys, right, to say, "Oh, I can lose Mahomes and things will be okay if I don't get a quarterback or get it right." Yeah. Um, so I will say, in terms of ancillary pieces around Russell Wilson, like Najee Harris and Justin Jefferson is excellent to get around him. Yeah. Um, I don't trust Russell Wilson enough. Right. Uh, I think. Listen, I think if you if you force me to pick, he probably bounces back from last year. He probably doesn't get back to what his prime was, but I think he's maybe 80 to 90% of that, something in that range. Um, but I do think that there's downside risk there that it's a, that, it's, that he well, does a lot of downside because Russell Wilson, let's face it, at 34 years old and the fact that he already bumped down, I think there's a, a limited ceiling on how much he can bump back up, right? Correct. I mean, at that age. So even, let's say he has a, a wildly successful QB, let's say QB8. OK, mm-hmm. QB eight at 34 years old, he still probably finished behind Mahomes. He's wildly older. The upside projection going forward is a lot less. So you're giving up years. You're giving up the market insulation that, again, the market on Mahomes doesn't matter because you're just going to keep them. So it doesn't really this whole like, oh, I have a lot of options. When we go over, there are no options because you don't get enough. We, we had one trade, right? We had one trade so far win. One Mahomes trade. Um, so again, like you said, if you're losing at quarterback, I mean, you're, Najee Harris and Justin Jefferson are legit. and But you also like Christian Watson. Like that's a non-zero part of this deal. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I like Christian Watson a lot. Um, and in fairness, I like Najee Harris too, right? Like I, I like all of the, uh, you know, and Juju, Juju serves his purpose, right? But I think in terms of Christian Watson, Najee Harris and Jefferson, like there's a lot to like there. Um, I just, I know when I go to bed at night, right. Uh, that Mahomes is like, he's just like a nice, comfortable blanket, right? I know I'm not going to get like, it's just going to be comfortable. Whereas if I'm, 
if it's Russell Wilson, like uh, it's kind of like sleeping with sandpaper. Like it's not going to be that comfortable. I'm not going to sleep well. But even if it like, goes well, how are you going to feel next well, off season? It, it when could you, hurt a lot. When you if you give up Patrick Mahomes at 28 years old, you got six years older. You got flimsy in terms of where you sit career arc wise. If this doesn't work out, you will be waking up in cold sweats. Yeah, exactly. Right. For how great Justin Jefferson is, you cannot make a trade like that. Yes. And you gave up Watson as well. See, that's the other thing. It's not Mahomes naked where you just like, well, I'm crushing it at, at, at wide receiver. You may not be crushing it at wide receiver. And, and Russell Wilson, market value, what? QB 18, 20? Like you, you move way down. I was going to ask you, I mean, if this is Dak Prescott instead of Russell Wilson, we can make a conversation. We're probably talking real hard about it at it's that not. point. One thing when I was looking at expected years remaining... Mahomes basically reset the whole thing. Like I like 15, like, like, well, no, like, and and this is again, based on uh, uh, averages, 10, 10 top 12 seasons, nine of them in the top six. What are we doing? That's not a human number. Like Josh Allen, nowhere close. Herbert Burrow, like any other player on the entire dynasty board is nowhere close to that. And like it boosted his value, even in one quarterback leagues, Jordan, I can sell it as like, like whatever his market is, you are justified in paying it in a one quarterback league. A, you save a roster spot, which we say is valuable in a lot of formats. But when you just say plug and play high upside at a position where only a few players will matter. I mean, if Justin Herbert was QB 10, you may like him in dynasty, but in one quarterback, he didn't move the needle for you at all that year. I mean, do we think Mahomes has a downside more than like QB six? We already saw it, right? Was it a couple of years ago? He's QB five or QB six or something. And that was like a, the sky is falling. Mahomes is no longer king. <laughs> like, it's nutty. He was a mid-QB1. So anyway, but my point is, like, there's no one like him, period. And you're going to give him up in a premium format. Good luck. Yep. And, he, and this, this is, it's got to be a better quarterback, as you said. You have, to, you have to get closer and competitive at that position. That's the answer. And you know what? Asking for Najee Harris, asking for Justin Jefferson, those totally are Totally appropriate. Yep. Yeah. But you need to make that Justin Herbert. You need to make that like you need to make them pay all the way, you know, and like and just a reminder, Mahomes, this is the weekly reminder. Mahomes is heavily accessible in trading and startup drafts for 101. So mm-hmm. and we've seen that he's accessible in existing leagues. So go after it. Don't be afraid to ask. You never know what might happen. You might actually end up with Mahomes on your roster. She might say yes. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. You asked you asked the the popular girl at the at, at school to the dance because you know what she might say yes you yep. might be the first one to ask and she might just be a really nice girl mm-hmm. <laughs> right. or desperate uh, yeah, well, but either way it's fine <laughs> either way it's a dance and and uh it's gonna look she good yes. it's gonna look good on you exactly she said yes yeah. um we have one other dynasty trade and we're now we're pivoting within the tight end position i honestly don't know where you're gonna go with this jordan because we got market value but we also got the old guard that continues to be the old guard and dominate so we've got a stock format no tight end premiums Kyle Pitts and a 24 second for Travis Kelsey and a 24 first. Two way go all the way. Give me Kelsey in the first uh, would be my angle on this. Um, Listen, in a PPR, in a straight PPR, non tight end premium, only start one. If you are not the tight end one or two, you look a lot more like the tight end 10 than those guys. Than one. Right. So if you are Kelsey, it's Andrews and. Will anyone challenge them to a high degree? And do you have confidence to do a pivot like this? Those are the biggest questions. Correct. And so Kelsey could run up a score in this year and retire. 
and already you're like, okay, well, am I ever going to make that up? Right. Am I going to make up the one big year, eight tenths of a win at a pits? Like it's really hard to do that. It's really, really hard. And I think Andrews is the heir apparent to that. Uh, We've talked about this a lot Uh, and you're getting a first, right? So, right. I mean, that's a position, right? That's a win right there. That's a win over the next three years. And so already you're looking at this and you're saying, okay, I'm going to probably bank a win with Kelsey. I'm probably going to bank a win with that first, right? That that first is worth a win. And then you say, okay, like if Pitts isn't, if Pitts doesn't go, and, and there's plenty of reason to doubt that they're going to have the volume to do it, right? That they're going to have the volume to get all the way home. That's and, my biggest question. Yeah. Like you can think Pitts is a great player. Here's my two biggest points on him. 11 points per game and eight points per game. You can say he's an all-world talent. Number one, he hasn't put it up an all-world season yet, not even close to challenging the big boys like Andrews and Kelsey. And frankly, former season by by George Kittle, you know, having a big year. Um, so he's been, you know, you look at efficiency, you look at, you know, yards per route run and, you know, the, the target per route run and all this kind of stuff. He looks good on paper like, oh, this guy could break out. Coulda, woulda, shoulda. And, and is the Atlanta just drafting a running back in the top 10? It, are they really going to allow such a such big time volume to Drake London and Kyle Pitts that there's these monster seasons in tow for them. So situation can work against them. And I will argue this until I see firm usage and, and contrary um, data here, which is Kyle Pitts being utilized like a straight wide receiver is not a good thing for him. These, these tight ends that function that with pass catcher abilities, like a wide receiver and they play out of the slot, I like that a lot more than just go stand over there. You're technically a tight end, but you're going to line up out wide and you're going to, it's easier for safeties. I just, I don't like that as the primary way they're using Kyle Pitts. And I think that's going to be a net negative when we look back in two or three more years and we're still waiting for a top two seasons out of him. If it doesn't, he is, he is so insulated by the marketplace and his apologist. Again, I think he's a fine player. I mean, universally, everyone thinks he could be a guy that quote unquote changes the position, but he's not going to be utilized. I, I just heart, I do not see how he's going to be utilized in that way on this iteration of what we're going to see with Atlanta's offense. You ready for this? If they had 491 dropbacks last year, 491 dropbacks, Better than it, Bears. assume that Kyle <laughs> Pitts ran a route on every single one of them, which okay. never will happen, but okay. it's usually about 80, 80, 85, 90% at best sure. for a tight end. But assume he ran one on every single one of those routes yeah. that would still rank fourth at the position, right? So it all every 100% route participation last year for him would have ranked behind. It would have ranked 109 routes behind Travis Kelsey. Okay, well, so let, that is just, just a this, crazy number. Well, let's just put this in a prism. The two guys we're talking about of you got to go catch these guys. You have Travis Kelsey, who is the wide receiver one for Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> And Andy Reid, and the, and he gets option routes of just on third down. Where's he looking? Well, Travis Kelsey's going to get open, and I'm going to throw it to him. So you have to beat that. Then you have to beat Mark Andrews, and you had one of the best, you know, best stats and arguments, which is the time, the one time Baltimore was remotely equal in terms of what was the stat again? The the neutral yeah, the- passing. Passing, passing passing rate, rate under expectation. Yeah, they were one percent. Right. I believe they were one so percent. The under closest it, yeah. they were to market <laughs> is when Andrews finished at tight end one. Correct. So he's that good, and we now have a new look Baltimore offense that might open it up and might get him back to that number. Yep. Those are the two guys you're chasing. Every single tight end is chasing it, and you just paid paid plus money 
to become one of the have-nots instead of the haves. Yes. So even if this, these picks are squeezed, which they are both, I, again, I, I identify them in there as not dominant teams and not poor teams. So they could finish anywhere. But they're probably not going to be a top three pick, and they're probably not going to be 112. You know, so just, but man, giving up a first to move around within the position and you got the weaker side of the profile of what's going to happen this year at tight end. Because like you said, and I think this is the biggest point we can make, at tight end, one big season is worth a whole career of Evan Ingram, a whole career of Chigo Conquo possibilities. So be very careful moving off from that. I've acquired Kelsey two or three times this offseason. I acquired Mark Andrews today. You know, in a, in a league, I had to give up Alexander Madison, Jordan, and I paused about it for a second because I was like, I love myself some Madison, but I can't do this. I cannot say no to getting Mark Andrews where he's one of the halves. Like, so we'll see what happens. Even if Madison becomes the clear week one starter, I still think Andrews can can easily win that. Yep. And that was only part of the deal, but it's like, it was like parting with kids. And I was like, I still got to do it. It's It's the button. It's Kelsey. It's Andrews. Don't overthink it. It's it's what makes tight ends really easy. Yep. Go after them. Go after the big fish. Yep. All right. Finishing out here from life and dynasty. Got a lessons learned here. Not going to spend more than a, a minute or two on it. But I started thinking, Jordan, I went out there and I did a little practice hour ride. I did some some Eversting, Ooh. some hill work. Okay. And I was like, I planned on a half hour. I was like, this is going to be really easy. I mean, I'm just going to go out there and see how it feels to do a few laps here. I did an hour. But then I started thinking about it. I was like, all right, I'm not pressing myself. It's an endurance thing. I want to see how an hour felt. It felt pretty easy. But then I started doing the math. And I was like, well, for me to do it, I have to do it for 18 hours. <laughs> so <laughs> so it, it really made me think about tiers. There's many tiers in life and many tiers in dynasty, both as a dynasty owner. But I thought about life. Like, Jordan, I know, you know, bicycling is your thing, but you could probably relate this to basketball. You know, we both done recreational basketball. I do tennis. There are so many tiers in life of abilities, right? Like, look at the the guys that barely get off the bench in the NBA. They're in the NBA. <laughs> and yet you look at when they get in the game, they're like, who are these schmucks? <laughs> like, right. they, can't even, they can't even play. Look at some of the best college kids. And it's like they get into the NBA, they get swallowed. Like, they can barely get off the bench. So in life and dynasty, there's a lot of different tiers. We just talked about tiers. Tight end, Dallas Goddard's a great player. Is he ever going to get all the way home? Kyle Pitts, he's considered one of the best prospects at the position of all time. And we're just talking about how you can't make that trade and acquiring Kyle Pitts. You know, so be very careful. There's so many tiers of what is good enough in life, what is good enough in dynasty, whether it's at a position, whether it's at your job, whether it is, you know, I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to eat better. I'm going to, you know, be a good person. I'm going to work on my interactions and relationships, like whatever it is, like there are so many tiers and here's the other thing. Just be competitive with yourself. Don't be competitive with other people. You know, the whole chasing the Benjamins, you know, and trying to be better than your neighbors and drive a better car and move into the bigger house and all these types of things. Like, make sure you value what, what you value because you being in the top tier of things that are important to you within your own universe. Like, I'm sure, Jordan, when you're out there, you're not competing with the Everest record. You're competing with what you've done, right? You're competing with what right now, 2023 version is within your scope of improvement minded results. You know, golf is the same way, right? You're competing yeah. against yourself and the course. And if someone beats you by 10 strokes or you beat someone by 10, so be it. Yeah. Like that's so, so I think there's different sports, different factions of life. And I think it applies to dynasty of make your team better, you know? And yeah. if, if the market doesn't agree with you, so be it. 
But if you're improving your starting lineup, if you're improving spots, you're improving your profiles, I think that those are some of the most important things because you, maybe you can go from, from, from finishing last to first, but improve this year, improve today, improve this month, improve with your rookie draft uh, navigation with trades and player selection and profiling. But you may not fix everything all at once. It, it's a journey, just as life is. Yeah, for sure. And I've found, you know, just to put a fine point on that, I've found that when I've tried to impress or when I've tried to fit in or be the cool person, like that's always been when it hasn't gone right for me, when I've specifically tried to go my, my way, right. What, what might've been a contrarian way. Those are typically the situations that have worked best. And like, that's particularly true in dynasty, right? I think the most successful uh, dynasty teams, the most successful dynasty roster constructions are contrarian, right? So you know, don't be beholden to what other people think as well. Yeah. And, and getting the flashy dynasty player, be careful with that. One thing we have said though, is sometimes you have to use the intermediary of getting liquid with rookie picks and then you turn the rookie picks maybe into something else. So yep. that is one way of maybe heating to the market and then getting it to work out in the end. If you can't work it in a straight, this player for that player or this asset type for that asset type, there may be a work through but I think it's always uh, risky to kind of play the market and say, ha I'm winning in the marketplace. Excellent. It's bikini season and that is not winning dynasty season. Uh, so be very, very careful with that. And I would say that's the dynasty equivalent of chasing the Benjamins where you get into the off season, you go, Hey, how do you like my team on Twitter? You know, it's, it's what flashy potential breakout players that half of them will never even come close there. Uh, that's what you end up getting is the approval from the dynasty following that, is not going through your league and and, and doing win loss win loss uh, as the season goes. Sure. Thanks for listening this week. Hey, let's also talk about we got the, yes. we got the Patreon as well. Yeah, Patreon. We already banked that for this week. Excellent. Yep. What do we got this week, Jordan? So Patreon's awesome this week. If you're familiar with any of our prior work in a prior life, we did a show called Running Back Roundup, <laughs> and it was um we would Epics. go hours i mean it was wild it was it was good stuff it, it evolved over time well, we but... honestly had a listener base though that they were like this is the best dynasty show out there bar none we would talk about every depth chart yes. for minutes on end every right. single week and we loved it we did it years ago but we're back we're gonna be doing it here mm -hmm. as the bonus patreon here on, yes. on dtt one division a week so that's going to be something AFC East is up this week. You also have um, after hours, but you're getting bonus content every single week at patreon.com slash dynasty think tank. And by the way, if you think that like, oh, it's just one division, like how much can that be worth? It was 40 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We thought about doing a whole conference. And of course we said we need to under program because when we over program, it ends up being, I mean, it just breaks, breaks all the recording session bandwidth we have. So Absolutely. we have a couple months. This is a perfect time to go in depth with these depth charts. I think we talked about Ramondre Stevenson for eight, nine, 10 minutes. Yeah. Just yeah. him alone. Yeah. We broke down again, Buffalo Bills depth chart, fascinating stuff. We're going to go through all 32 this off season. It's a great series and don't miss out. You know, this is yeah. something that you want to sign up. This is something we used to do uh, as a weekly hour and a half show, but now you get it more digestible. You're going to get to focus on every depth chart, some of the action plan advice we give you every single week across the most important and most fungible position to get right every single year, high impact, which is the running back position. As I was mentioning, thanks for listening this week on the Dynasty Think Tank. Subscribe over there at patreon.com slash UTH. Continue the momentum. We're just a few episodes in, so subscribe, rate, and review. All that helps. Even if you're just going to give us a few stars, uh, obviously a comment would helpful be helpful as well on your podcasting platform of choice. You can follow the hosts here at Chad Parsons NFL and at McNamara Dynasty on Twitter. Also, you can follow us on our other platforms, 
analytics of Dynasty for Jordan. I am at uthdynasty.com as well. And as always, unlock your ceiling and seek elite results. Thank you.